six-pack double feature presents Pick Six, where the guys round out a top five list with one extra. Horror, sci-fi, crappy sequels, all the titles you know and love, plus beer. Tell us your picks, guys. I was just queuing up a clip, because you have clips for this I'm one? clip heavy. Aren't you always? No, nah, we weren't on the last one. That's true. That's true. Let's go fuck yourself. I, I was extra heavy on this one. Extra sauce. <laughs> extra sauce, extra seasoning. What is up, gang? It's pick six. I'm not Nathan. I'm not Travis. Hope you guys enjoyed last time when we uh, ate pizza and did... Uh, I already forgot. I did. <laughs> B-movies. B-movies, yeah. <laughs> We've moved on. This is two weeks from now. What are you talking about? It wasn't just 20 minutes ago. <laughs> totally not. <gasps> Alcohol affects the memory. Um, sometimes yours, sometimes not so much yours. Yeah, depends. We've got a fun one today, gang. Um, I thought this one would be a little easier as well. It wasn't. It wasn't because I had to. Sh- I had like no. no I want no, this one. That's no, that the problem. One. Yeah, it, coming up with it's six taking, TV characters, taking six off of your yeah. list of. I made twelve. You're like yeah. this is a six list. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I tried to. I tried to be kind of well rounded with this too. I tried to stay like comedy, a little drama, a little mix of both. A little... I am. I am two dramas for sitcoms. Okay. Well, like we said today, gang, it is. Favorite TV characters? I don't think they're my favorites for a reason. I don't. I don't have any evil people. So I guess it depends on how you look at it. But, <laughs> um, favorite TV I characters are just some no of my evil people. Some of my favorite TV characters, and I tried to not be obvious with it. I don't know what Nathan did. Let's find out today. Nathan, what's your number six? Lemon. Oh, well, I don't think you want to take advice from me on this. I mean, I ate a Three Musketeers bar for breakfast this morning, and this bra is held together with tape. Yeah, the music's annoying in that clip because they overlaid some music onto that clip. I don't mind it. Fashion, Liz's fashion sense, or lack thereof. Liz Lemon <laughs> Liz from, 30 Lemon Rock. from 30 Rock. I almost picked her. I um, almost did, and I didn't. <clears throat> I chose Liz Lemon because in many ways she reminds me a lot of my wife. <laughs> Uh, she's an OG Star Wars geek, frequently eats poorly, can sometimes come across as socially awkward, and often feels like she has no fashion sense whatsoever. <laughs> but Liz Lemon is also fiercely independent, has an incredible work ethic, and is typically the smartest person in the room. And so Jack Donaghy accurately describes Liz Lemon as a New York third-wave feminist, college-educated, single, and pretending to be happy about it. Overscheduled, undersexed, you buy any magazine that says healthy body image on the cover, and every two years you take up knitting for a week. And every two years you take up knitting for a week. week. I would oh. say cross stitching for my wife instead. So she'll. Do I it. almost picked Jack Donaghy too. I love <laughs> yeah, Jack Donaghy's <laughs> a great character. I did not. I did not. I, I felt I would have been too obvious with that. That Liz Lemon's a great character. I I, <clears throat> I came back to her two or three times. And I think what makes her great, too, is how much I think Tina Fey incorporates her actual habits and quirks Mm -hmm. into that character, which makes her very honest and truthful. My favorite thing is when Liz finally gets her breaking point, 
and loses her shit and like turns over a table and is like, where's my sandwich? Yes. Or when they're stuck on the plane on the runway and she basically <laughs> takes that old lady hostage. <laughs> I'll blow this old bat's head off or whatever that's she what says. Her, that was it. her and Carol broke up finally, right? They were. In, I thought that's when she met Carol. I don't think so. I think it may have been like she was avoiding confrontation and, something, or yeah. something like that. Carol was played by, um, yeah, yeah. Um, Private Ryan, <laughs> the Martian. <laughs> Matt Damon. Matt Damon. <laughs> uh, the other one where she flips the table up, it wasn't the, the Teamster sandwich day or something. <laughs> it was not. And a, she didn't get her sandwich. Um, no, it was a. It was just a cut to. Maybe um, that's what it was. But I mean, the Teamster sandwich thing was. It was a good episode too. Let's not talk about Thirty Rock for five minutes. <laughs> Liz Lemon. Uh, Liz Lemon. Remember the one when the guy called her lesbian yellow sour fruit? <laughs> that's a great. That is good. Great translation from and to back into English. <clears throat> I don't know that Al Bundy is the opposite of Liz Lemon, but Al Bundy is my number six. Married with children. Yes. I, yeah. I grew up. Um, Ed O'Neill is awesome. He is a great And he character. is, he is, you can't see anyone else playing Al Bundy other than Do you know who Ed read, O'Neill. you know who else read for that? No. Michael Richards. Would have been a terrible Al Bundy. Yeah. Been very different. Because he, he based the show Al, would not have lasted as long. I don't he think. based Al Bundy on his actual real life Uncle Joe. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, as far as TV dads go, as far as TV husbands go, Al Bundy is not. <laughs> it's not standard. No. He's mean to his wife. He's mean to his kids. Um, he's mean to his neighbors and he's mean to his friends. But <laughs> when the chips are down, only he's allowed to be mean to him. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. still supports them, but he's. Still, yeah, and you get an you, you understand him in a certain way when it's just like, I just want to come home, I just want to sit down. What do you want? You know, <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> One of my favorite lines is, uh, when he gets home from work or something, or Peg gets back from something, and she goes, Did you miss me, Al? And he goes, With every shot so far, <laughs> just little fucking one offs <laughs> like that, dude. He's so <clears throat> he's fucking sullen, he's morose, and He's quick to insult anybody, but <laughs> typically fat ladies that come into the shoe store. That's right. Um, um, but a lot of the, uh, just a lot of my sense of humor is was formed. Not a lot of it, but a good portion of that it. I early guess. Fox show, man. The, yeah, one yeah. of the OGs, one of yeah. the top first four. Um, the first five or six seasons of that are pure fucking gold, and it starts to get stupid really stupid really fast the more no it was it more popular it got do you think yeah it got more popular um but easily the first five or six maybe even seven seasons of it are they're they're fucking gold and uh if you ever want to like just have some insults in your pocket go back and watch like a super cut of al bundy on youtube oh yeah and just memorize those (laughs) they're great (laughs) al bundy my number six what's your number five There we go. You know what? If we were in prison, you guys would be like my bitches. Took me a second to realize what uh, we were listening to. I figured it might. Until I heard Phoebe. (laughs) Which one is your favorite, Phoebe? Phoebe. Hmm. Well, not your favorite, but the one you picked. The one I picked is, yeah, Phoebe Buffay, played by Lisa Kudrow from Friends. I think I've watched Friends maybe a total of two full times. That's it? Like through the entire series, yeah. you mean? Yes. Um, when I first, when it first aired, I loved it for about six years, and then I grew kind of bored of it. 
I did the same thing, but with the first season. After the first season, I didn't give a shit anymore. Yeah, and so... Is there something else I can help with? No, Siri, thank you. Wow, that was weird. That's very weird. I must have tilted this just in enough time. Your cool robot watch. My cool robot watch. Do you watch. want to call Falcon on it again? Just no, to... that's all right. Okay. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> nerd. I haven't used it since This is my Cathio per, uh, pocket protector <laughs> uh, calculator watch. <laughs> Uh, but I feel like once I moved out on my own, I just I lost the show. Initially, lost its luster. <clears throat> but I ended up rewatching it once I think on Netflix and once through like HBO Max like about a year ago. And rewatching it that time, it was just like God, most of these characters are they're not great people. They really aren't. But Lisa like Kutra playing Phoebe is just so perfect. She's got the worst of like the background, like. She was raised by her grandmother after her mother committed suicide. And she was she would, homeless and shit. Yeah, she was homeless and everything. But it's just nothing dissuades her. Um, nothing ever takes her down a peg. She's almost always super positive about everything. Sure. Um, and while people often see her as dim-witted, she's not. She's mm. really sweet-natured. She is... Uh, she's a terrible but compelling singer songwriter, <laughs> but she knows what's going on and she knows sure, the score sure. and she often plays dumber than how, mo- what most people see of her. And I think that's what I really <clears throat> liked with her. Her best feature is like her frankness. Like she never, she's always one hundred percent honest when someone asks sure. her. She never tries to hide that, and that's what I always loved about her. Her character is just she never holds back in any situation. No matter how much she makes her other friends uncomfortable with how she feels about something as well. She usually and, she usually cuts through <clears throat> she usually wasn't the A or even B story. She was there to be kind of comic relief. Say the shocking yeah. thing. Yes. Till later and then and, you know, I'm sure she negotiated to have her character be a little meatier. Yeah. But who was Paul Rudd was her was that her? Yeah, team? that's who okay. she ended up with okay. at the end. Yeah. Thanks for spoiling it. Phoebe Buffay. Phoebe Buffay. That's your number five. A blonde white woman from New York who is a masseuse. Hippie, hippie dippy. <laughs> who owns a car that is also a taxi cab. <laughs> that was her grandmother's. My number five is Omar Little. <laughs> the exact and every oh, way opposite. Wow, that's I never even went to the wire. Um, yet. And so that's a, as far as the wire goes, Omar's a little obvious. I probably would have picked Bunk. <laughs> Bunk is fucking great. Bubs, I love Bubs. Yeah, um, I love Stringer Bell. Um, uh, Marlo is great too. The the new the new blood bad guy yeah, toward yeah. the end of the series. Mm-hmm. But man, I had to go as far as as far as the world of the wire goes. I went with Omar Little. Everybody fucking loves Omar. He's fucking Robin Hood of Baltimore. <clears throat> he really was. He yeah. ro- I robs drug dealers. <laughs> he's not a good guy. No, he's not, not a bad guy. He's just a guy. Yeah, he. He's kind of one of those guys where when you start playing D and D enough, he was in that neutral category. chaotic neutral. He's chaotic neutral. <laughs> I love it when he like when the in the first season when the shit goes down, and he's finally like, all right. They he comes out and they're like, oh shit Omar's coming Omar's coming Omar's coming Omar's coming, coming. and yeah. they all they all get the fuck out everybody's scared everybody of Omar everybody knows cops the fucking uh, everybody on every the corner the dealers everybody they stay the fuck away from mm-hmm. Omar and he always has this weird little ragtag crew of usually it's a couple chicks and then it's the gay dude um, 
Sometimes it's a white dude, sometimes it's a black yeah. dude, depending on who Stringer Bell's crew is killed. Right. But uh, I love that Omar's is he's an openly gay character yeah. in that world. I don't know if the guy that he's based on was gay right. or if they just put that in there, but he doesn't play it flamboyant. He, he just plays he, it. He just plays it. Yeah, he's just he's, I, I, I love that about the character. And he is uh, – he's sort of kind of like makes it, makes it his own. He, he does, and I think what's also fun with that character is how he's even kind of respected by the police uh-huh. department yeah. as yeah. well in in many respects. So there's just there's that mutual respect and fear and concern of him at the same time. Yeah. Um, another reason I picked him, and if you guys haven't seen The Wire, why don't you skip ahead maybe twenty or so seconds? But the way he goes out, that little probably seven-year-old shooting him in the head in the convenience store new omar yeah potentially the first time jamie and i watched it through we were like what it's but you already killed string like a bitch and now you kill omar like a bigger bitch at least string died of his own business omar was just getting a pack of smokes and they did that with the wire because it's realistic it's real the good guy doesn't win really ever and the bad guy doesn't necessarily win. It's right. a it checks and balances. And they they illustrated that, like in my opinion, perfectly with Omar. Because everybody fucking loved Omar. Yeah, and they once didn't you, do it. Yeah, once you move past the, oh my God, I can't believe they killed him. And then it was just like, but it's such a right way for his and they character didn't, to go. I don't think they so did believable. it. Yeah, I don't think yeah. they did it George R.R. R. Martin style where he was like, oh, you love this character? Pff, gone, killed. Yeah. They just, I think they were, they were proving their point. And it was great. And I love Omar. It was very poetic, yeah. unfortunately, in yeah. an unfortunate way. He survived all that other shit, and then some little bastard fucking caps him. Get a pack of Newports. Yeah. Omar Little. That's my number five. Omar, don't scare. <laughs> What's your number four? Sam asked CJ to move the briefing to 2 o'clock so that we could fold in the teachers. CJ had emergency root canal surgery at noon and so was unable to brief. Who did? I did. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, long story short, you're going to be reading a bit today about your secret plan to fight inflation. I have a secret plan to fight inflation? No. Why am I going to be reading that I do? It was suggested in the press room that you did. By who? By me. You told the press I have a secret plan to fight inflation? No, I did not. Let me be absolutely clear. I did not do that. Except, yes, I did that. And then he did that little weasel laugh of his. How does that go again? <laughs> Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Bradley Whitford, right? Yeah, he's playing Josh Lyman. He is the uh, uh, deputy chief of staff for President Bartlett in the West Wing. Yeah, I knew it was that's soon Martin as I, Sheen. As soon as I heard Martin Sheen, I knew it was West Wing, and I knew Bradley Whitford. If there ever was a person that was born to deliver deliver Aaron Sorkin's dialogue, I believe that person is Bradley Whitford. In many ways, it's just how. It, <sighs> And and his portrayal of that character specifically in the West Wing is he is is he a wormy guy is he a nervous guy is he no he's a sarcastic ass for the most part okay and he Whitford, plays a lot of those characters he plays a lot of those characters really well I mean I I, I wrote down here it says John uh, John Josh Lyman is a consummate smartass who oozes sarcasm sarcasm but is also completely genuine and sincere in his character as well. Okay. So he comes across, that's his defense mechanism, is gotcha. sarcasm. And so Josh often speaks first and deals with the consequences later by either, an, by either another public figure in Washington or someone else on the president's staff that makes him fix it, which is 
that specific episode, CJ is the press secretary. She normally addresses the press and what's going on for the day. She had to have, as it says, emergency root canal surgery. So Josh stepped in to do it. And so you know already – now, you've, if you've watched the episode, you've already seen what happens uh, while he's addressing the press. But all you hear is the president just go, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and so – What's fun with his character is that one of his favorite topics usually in the show is to to show how he loves to talk about the stupidity of the average voter, which roughly translates into the contempt for the stupidity of the average person. And this is usually what gets him in trouble. And so that's just – it's fun to watch him dig his hole and then have to get out of his hole sure. because it's very realistic. Sure. The fact that he's – that he kept his – position in that staff and he has a really good story arc in the show if anybody who watches west wing know what i'm talking about but it's just it's a fun character he's never too serious he's never too funny he just he rides that line that aaron sorkin created so that, it's, that it's a typical aaron sorkin fair it's for kinda... the first four seasons it is and then sorkin left the series and then it it kind of changes a bit, and it's not as fun the last three seasons. But do you remember that episode of uh, Thirty Rock where Aaron Sorkin, or he he's waiting in the waiting room, and Liz comes in there, and he was like, "Let's take a walk," and they literally just walk in walk. a circle. It's yeah. so fucking yeah. good. I love that. <laughs> walk and talk, Aaron that Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin's. I like his stuff. I, I, I was I was wondering if I'd like West Wing or not. You would probably enjoy the first few seasons. And then at some point you can tell exactly where it changes between season four and five. Not that it's so literal. You can just tell the dialogue is different. It moves sure, differently. Sure, sure, So, So, yeah, Josh what? Lyman, The West Wing. That was my number four. My number four is the only lady in a crew full of self-centered assholes. In that crew, she holds her own. She is 110% their equal. I mean, she's played as a woman, but she's never talked down to, not by her counterparts. Uh, and she gives as good as she gets. She is equal parts in on the scheme or surprised by the scheme. I'm talking about Elaine Bennis from Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She doesn't. Play- I almost picked Kramer. <laughs> She doesn't play Elaine like a, come on, you guys, yeah. or like an idiot woman. She is she's just one of the other guys. As devilishly, oh, in some ways, she's fucking smarter than the rest of them. I mean, when you think about it. Most of the time, yeah. she is. She, she's like, Jerry's the, he's the lead, right? Like he's, he never doesn't know what's going on. But, well, but the Kramer and George are kind of, yeah. Kramer and George are kind of dumber. One of my favorite things is watching like the outtakes of Julie Louis-Dreyfus trying to maintain her composure uh and then breaking right when the seat like the one that always gets me is when um she and kramer are crouched down in the hallway and he's about to put the fork in the lights uh, the in the power outlet okay and he goes but do it do it quickly and she <laughs> she can't uh she's the best dude i love her the dance the little kicks yeah. i just saw that the other day it's like a full body dry heave set yeah. to music <laughs> Um, you talked about Friends earlier. Friends, for the large part, doesn't really hold up. No, um, not really. The social stuff and the jokes. and I mean, some of it's still funny situationally. Right. But Seinfeld, we went back and watched a good chunk of it about six months ago. Still fucking solid, man. 
still because really- it's based off of real life in many ways. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's to a absurd and ridiculous in many ways, but, but just the situation yeah, itself. Yeah, and, and it's it. That's why it's so relatable. Yeah, Elaine Bennis. I didn't get my Christmas card. <laughs> Christmas card? You want a Christmas card? I got your Christmas card right here. And then his hair's all fucked up when she. (laughs) She's the best, man. She's one of the guys. (laughs) Elaine Bennis. That's my number four. What's your number three? Huh? Huh. How how did you know? Hmm? How did you know not to bring a gun? This fifteen hundred, I'll just say it. You're getting a bargain. They put in a lot of legwork before coming here. Now that fella you just met with, name is Ignacio Varga. He runs with a connected crew of drug dealers. Now his deal he's doing with you, he's doing outside his crew. He doesn't want his bosses to know. So it was in his best interest that things go very smoothly. Wow. The lesson is, if you're going to be a criminal, do your homework. Wait, I'm, I'm not a bad guy. I, no, I didn't say you're a bad guy. I said you're a criminal. What's the difference? I've known good criminals and bad cops. Bad priests, honorable thieves. You can be on one side of the law or the other. But if you make a deal with somebody, you keep your word. You can go home today with your money and never do this again. But you took something that wasn't yours, and you sold it for a profit. You're now a criminal. Good one, bad one, that's up to you. Well, um, it doesn't sound like Brian Cranston. It's not. Okay, I don't know who it is then. It is, the character's name is Mike Ehrmantraut, played by Jonathan Banks, and that was a clip from the show Better Call Saul. Oh, which Ehrmantraut, is the, he was the uh, cuz from Beverly Hills Cop. He was. Okay. What I think you called him the evil Ed O'Neill from yeah. Beverly Hills Cop. Not Al Bundy. <laughs> Not yeah. Al Bundy. That's what it was. I knew it was something to do with Ed O'Neill. I couldn't remember exactly what it was. Uh, if there ever was a character that was the perfect embodiment of what we would call in D&D world a lawful neutral or true neutral kind of character, uh-huh. it would be Mike Ehrmantraut, uh, which is the prequel spinoff from Breaking Bad, uh, played by Jonathan Banks. Um, Mike is often the smartest guy in the room. He's a retired dirty cop from Philadelphia. Mike relocates to Albuquerque, New Mexico to watch over his recently deceased son's wife and granddaughter. Mike is a calm and calculating individual who efficiently performs any task at hand, whether it's doing extended research on a drug cartel to learn how they operate, basically sitting in a car for days on end just with binoculars and drinking coffee and just watching patterns and shit. Sure. Uh, Dismantling a vehicle to find out how he's being tracked or volunteering to install a cement sidewalk for his granddaughter's school. He does it with absolute precision and professionalism. He's very much that lawful, neutral type of character. He can be a criminal, which he is in the show. Sure. And he's a protagonist very much so in Better Call Saul. He's an, a, a secondary character in the Breaking Bad series. Okay. But what's fun is just kind of watching the creation of that that type of character 
once he's over time. In, in, over time. Yeah. Okay. And it's just fun seeing how he's very. I did the job. This is what the job was. This is what it pays, and this is what I'm doing. If something doesn't go right, he will gladly give his money back for something that doesn't happen the way it was supposed to. Or hey, hmm. I'll give you know, like he's tried to hire to fifty grand to uh, get rid of somebody's cousin because he's just he's a wild card. And I, he needs to go, and so Mike tries to get something to take care of. Gives him fifty grand. Something doesn't go down as well as planned, and so he gives like half of the money back. So he's he's very much a man of his word, regardless of kept in the good graces. Yeah. yeah, and that's what I love about that type of character. It's just very fascinating. It's interesting. I have nothing to say about either of those shows. I've never seen. I had a feeling you hadn't seen either. They just, they just Breaking don't. Bad felt very depressing to me. And I just I don't know. They That's okay. Watch. Better, Better call you'd probably enjoy more, and you wouldn't really need to know. Anything Do you not need about to? No. Okay. Because uh, you like uh, Odenkirk. Odenkirk. Love, he's great. Is he a bastard? Like, no, he is just a. The, he was known as Slippin' Jimmy, which means that he would slip and try to get money from somebody. So uh, he was a kind of a con man, and when he's in New Mexico, he's trying to become a lawyer, mm-hmm. and so. It's just following him until he gets to the point of Breaking Bad. And so gotcha. his character okay. is really fun to watch as well. I think you would probably enjoy it more than Breaking Bad if Breaking Bad seems depressing to you. It, yeah, it se- uh, Better Call Saul seems like it has more of a dark humor it does. sense to it. The humor starts to leave even in Breaking Bad towards the end of the series. It's yeah. much more prevalent in the first season or two than it is towards the end of the, gotcha. end of the run. But yeah, so that's my number three. <clears throat> my number three... And oh, forgive me, I don't remember his last name. Two things made season two of Lost the best season. The Hatch, for sure. Uh-huh. And its operator, Desmond. <laughs> Desmond, brother. Hey, brother. It was like, wh- if you're not a fan of Lost, then skip ahead a couple of minutes. <laughs> you know exactly or what I'm talking Or if you're in the middle about. of watching it and you're not sure or whatever, yeah. yeah. How many to- How often did he have to go in and punch the coordinates of the twenty nine different numbers or seventeen different numbers it was or whatever? Like seven different numbers: four, eight, one, five, sixteen, thirty two. I believe. Whatever. Um, was it once every hour or it once? Was every- once an hour, once every fifteen minutes or something. And why are you doing that to save the world? Yeah. And you, you never knew <laughs> you why he was why, punching yeah. it in. Later, you find out, which is less than satisfying. It kind of. But, well, it's because that shit's been retconned, and but it's yeah. like, why is this dude in this? Simulated apartment in with simulated daylight underneath in an island in a somewhere. <laughs> computerized bunker, like Cold War era looking bunker. Oh, it's been a long time since I've watched Lost too. It's I'm scared to go back and rewatch a bit, a bit, yeah. yeah. Um, but then he's the coolest fucking Scottish dude. Ever. Yeah, and like you realize that he's just been he's just been down there so long. He's kind of kind of lost his mind a little bit. But once he integrates in with everybody else, it just he adds such a fucking like he adds the layer to the onion that started Lost being... What? Yeah. Yes. I mean, it, it lost, oh, yeah, he's the first layer. Season one definitely, second layer, yeah. Season one definitely had the, what the fuck is going on here? Like, I remember waking up and going, like, how the fuck is there a polar bear? Yeah. I remember, like, it freaking me the fuck out. Like, waking me up in the middle of the night. But then... It was like the, the of, second or third layer down, you get that like, Desmond. This, yeah. What the fuck is this? And he was, like, again, he was so, like, suave. But not like James Bond suave. He was just very cool and calculated kind of guy yeah, yeah effortless yeah. and he was scottish that doesn't hurt no like a good scottish accent is just mm. 
Henry Ian Cusick is his name, the actor that plays him. Um, ironically, he was in the worst uh, thing of Dead Like Me. Yeah. He came back and replaced Rube. Not good. Not good. Not good. Um, yeah, if you guys haven't seen Lost, uh, we easily have not ruined anything for you talking no. about that. Um, go back and watch it. Go on and just deal with season three. It is what it is. Um, it's been so long. I couldn't tell you why season three is or isn't. Jack spends one. half the season in jail, basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, Desmond McEwen, maybe. Regardless, not name, Penny's boat. Not Penny's boat. <laughs> That's a, that'd be a good TV death, Charlie. Um, yeah, Desmond from season two. Uh, well, Desmond from Lost season starting in season two on to the end. That's my number three, Nathan. What's your number two? Look, little girl, can we postpone this for another day? It's unsettling having you just sit there. Well, my report's due tomorrow. What's it on? Why government matters. Really? It's never too early to learn that the government is a greedy piglet that suckles on a taxpayer's teat until they have sore, chapped nipples. I'm going to need a different metaphor to give this nine-year-old. What's your name, ma'am? Lauren Burkis. Lauren. My name is Ron Swanson, and I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about the miserable, screwed-up world of local government. You mustard in your mustache. Don't sass me, Burkis. Let's get started. Life, liberty, and property. It's John Locke. This is your lunch. Now... You should be able to do whatever you want to with this, right? If you want to eat all of it, great. If you want to throw it away in the garbage, that's your prerogative. But here I come, the government. And I get to take 40% of your lunch. And that, Lauren, is how taxes work. But that's not fair. You're learning. Uh-oh. Capital gains tax. So is that is that Chloe Grace Mortez in the scene with him? No. Okay. Uh, never really dipped my toe into <laughs> Parks and Rec because um, I always I, had a. I, I always, saw the Office. I always nah. It's not the Office. He's the Dwight though. Come no, on. No. Oh, he is not the Dwight. You you can't say that if you haven't seen the show. I've seen. it. I can understand where you think he might be the Dwight, but he is not. The I'm Dwight. not saying he's a butthole like Dwight. No, he's not. It's totally different. I know. It's the same arguments I would always give going, I just, this show doesn't look like it would interest me much. And then I eventually watched it. Now I've watched it probably more times than The Office, and I prefer it sometimes more than The Office. Really? I enjoy The Office just as much. It's just a, a different type of show. And yes, it was supposed to be at some point a potential spinoff, and then they chose not to address that mm -hmm. after all, <clears throat> which is probably a good idea. But the director of, of Parks department ron swanson is an anomaly he's a gruff and old school no-nonsense government employee an opinionated libertarian who has impeccable taste in whiskey a skilled master craftsman in woodworking and often has questionable judgment when it comes to women <laughs> so i'm not sure like you said you've never seen it but he is the libertarian glue that holds the department together. And it's not because he's libertarian glue. It's just that's who he is. Sure, he's sure. the glue that kind of holds the department together. He's the yin to Leslie Nope's yang, where Swanson believes in limited government to the extent of eliminating it altogether, where Leslie <laughs> Nope, who is his deputy director, would expand it and go over her budget if she could. He's 
manly but not a male chauvinist. Sure. He's strong, but he's not overpowering. He's opinionated, but he's not an asshole. He's kind of like a modern renaissance man where he's spent the better part of his work life inside the belly of the American political beast trying to take it down from the inside. <laughs> and so anybody who looks at that show, every character that's there, people can say they're, oh, I, I like Don or I like – you know Leslie or whoever that they choose. Right. Most people often lean towards Swanson because he's just kind of an anomaly that you would see on TV most of the time, anyway. Gotcha. Um, some of his some of his best quotes are usually like, "Clear alcohol are for rich women on diets," <laughs> or "I'm a simple man. I like pretty dark haired women and breakfast food." Or uh, when he's handed a salad, it's like, there's been a mistake. You've accidentally given me the food that my food eats. You know, <laughs> shit like that. Or never ask two things, never, never half ass two things, whole ass one thing, <laughs> which is a legit thing when he's trying to talk to Leslie about, are you going to run for city council or are you going to be my deputy director? Don't do two jobs poorly, just do one really well. Right. And so there's a lot of wisdom behind it. And it's, it's, he's a fun, character in that respect. Fuck is his name? Uh, Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman, yeah. Have you ever heard of the book A Confederacy of Dunces? No. It's supposed to be the funniest, one of the funniest books ever written. I've tried to read it twice. I've, I have I've, I have a couple of his books on... Uh, no, he didn't write audio. it. Oh. No, he didn't write it. Uh, the guy that wrote it, I cannot remember his name, he killed himself back in like 80... What is it called again? A Confederacy of Dunces. It sounds very so original. Well, there's an urban myth around it. Um Jim Belushi, no, John Belushi was going to play it and then died. Oh, okay. John That's Candy why. was going to play it and, and then, then died. died. Chris Farley. It's a character, uh, Ignatius, I uh, cannot remember his last name, takes place in or the Bat Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Big, fat, nasty dude. Um, and, and again, I've tried to read it and I, I fucking, I don't like it. It's not funny to me. <laughs> uh, and... I don't know what I'm missing. But apparently, I really, there's some appeal. The only it, person that's ever gotten to play it in any kind of production is Nick Offerman. Really? And it was like a stage production, okay. like a musical almost. Um, Google it, look it up. Maybe get it on books on tape. Maybe that's it. I, reading it in my own voice maybe doesn't do it for me. But um, he's the only one that's come close to playing it in any sort of production and not fucking died. <laughs> uh, but he's not a big fat guy either. Um, as far as I know, he doesn't have a massive no, drug habit. He's, he's not. Um, <laughs> It, there's one last quote. It says, give 100%. 110% is impossible. Only idiots recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he's just very down to earth and very straightforward. And yeah. will, he won't bullshit you. But he's just – he's one of my more current – I don't even – it's not current anymore, but newer favorite characters that have populated in, in television. So that is – My number two is – I think one of – I'm not a woman. Never have been. Um, <laughs> that you're aware of. Not, to, not since breakfast. <laughs> but I know a, a number of women that enjoy Alison Brie and her portrayal of Ruth Wilder from Glow um, as a fairly flawed – I thought you were almost going to say Ruth Langmore and I'm like, I don't think that's right. <laughs> She's, she's a different Ruth, different Ruth, different show. Um, <laughs> she's unsure of herself. Yeah. Um, she's trying, but she's probably 
fooling herself into thinking she's trying hard enough at, at becoming an actress. Yeah. Um, easily gets down on herself. Um, fucks her best friend's husband a couple of times. Not that. Yeah, she's a bit of a piece of shit when it first starts, too. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Um, self-centered, jealous. Yeah. I think... Just, I mean, I'm not a woman, but I'm a person. Yeah. And those are just shit that real people do. Yeah. Um, I love sad. how she takes her call. Like, when she takes... Like, she goes to her... Like yeah, casting calls and stuff, and she's like, um, "You're reading the wrong part." <laughs> that's start, my like, that's my like, favorite thing of hers. She's so... Actually, pull that clip up. That's the clip I want to play here. Right. In this world, there are good guys and there are bad guys, and I will not be bullied into submission. You are reading the man's part. Oh God! Would you like to start over? Yes, I would. I will not be bullied into submission. Sorry to interrupt. Your wife is online too. Uh, that's great. I, I love the statement that they're making there too. Where like, why can't maybe it's 1985 takes place in 1985? Why can't why can't a woman be the one that's in charge and why yeah. can't somebody be knocking on her door saying that her husband is on site or her wife is online too? Right. Who gives a shit? But the way she she sells that, like she's trying to get one over on this casting director, like they're gonna it's like you read that on purpose. <laughs> she's like. So I think she tells her at the end of the scene, oh, yeah. too. Like, if you do that again... I'm not going to call you back or something for other casting Yeah. Spots. But what, what's great about that character is to watch her unfold over the three, what should have been at least four, four seasons. seasons of Glow. How she unfolds and, like, gains, like, a sense of self and finds somewhere that she belongs and gains a confidence in herself and helps invent this fucking thing that then gets stolen from them. And then ironically stolen from us. <laughs> that are fans of the show glow i'm still very bitter about it and allison brie you know i mean like, why can't they still just do it now yeah i mean dead to me got renewed after being off for two or three years and uh russian doll just came back after yeah i didn't think that was gonna come i didn't back. either and i was so fucking stoked yeah about i haven't watched i haven't watched we started season. it last night i got it fucking it's is great. It good it's fucking right. it's different it's the same but it's very different All at right. the same time it's fucking yeah very fucking good Speaking of Amy Poehler, she's an EP yeah, on she's that. She's an EP on that, yeah. And doesn't stick her face in it. Yeah. I love her for that. Just give your input, give your money, whatever. There you go. But don't, Do you, you, don't have, you don't have to be in it. Because yeah. Natasha Leone is perfect on her own. Back to Allison Brie. Because um, watching her in um, Community, she's very cutesy, like Cupid doll in that yes. show. And shows it's that so, she. It's, it it's, shows her range, yeah, number one. Shows that she is so not that character. Yeah. And yeah, she ain't she ain't bad to look at either. No, not at all. Um, fucking funny. Her timing is great and uh, brilliant. Lovely character. Ruth Wilder from Glow. That's my number two. What's your number one? <laughs> so I guess we may safely say the critics have shined the rays of adulation upon me once again. The relevant text is highlighted. <laughs> Bill McNeil is adequate. Adequate, yeah. Yeah, read it again. Well, Bill McNeil is adequate. I'm sorry, Bill. Sorry? Sorry you weren't singled out and deemed adequate? <laughs> I don't think adequate is quite the superlative you think it is. I beg to differ. I'm not here. I beg to differ. <laughs> After all, adequacy is the hallmark of great journalism. No, I think it's the hallmark of adequate journalism, Bill. And what is adequate journalism if not great journalism? Well, it's just and adequate. Then it, it's it's just adequate. We'll finish this later. I'm sure I fulfill my duties with my customary adequacivity. 
It's not a real word. It is now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, I don't. Even, how did I not think of Bill McNeil? I figured we were going to cross paths possibly on this one, and we guess we did no, not. No, we did uh, not. The bombastic, egocentric, and insubordinate primary news anchor. You forgot adequate. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I should have put that in there. What was I thinking? Yeah. He's uh, bursting with autoquatoquatulism. <laughs> of the fictional WNYX News Radio, AM 1450. They pretty much broke the mold when they cast Phil Hartman as Evelyn William Bill. Right. McNeil. His first, His first name is El- Evelyn. Um, <laughs> it's too bad the network never really got behind the show because... I'm glad they didn't. You know, Yeah, because you get... Probably a better storyline. What's line. perfect, actually. Um, Other than when they tried to fuck with it and do the Sam and Diane will they, won't they thing. Yes. And then Phil Sims or whatever went, <laughs> I want to, want to bet. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it had the comedic brilliance along with its writers and the showrunner and every other cast member that made this show so funny, you know? Yeah. Um, but Bill McNeil was something special. His bravadic confidence, especially when it was about something that he typically knew nothing about or he knew what adequate meant but he was just laying on the bullshit like ah, I'm going to show them that I don't know what I'm talking about because he he reveals that at the end of that episode he's like of course I know what adequate yeah. adequate means yeah but it's just what made his character so damn unique yeah. and, and no one could but Phil Hartman n- could play that correct not play it well and here's the, here's the funny thing I was trying to pull up some information regarding Bill McNeil in Google searching and I found out uh, that I think Futurama and possibly Matt Groening have may have actually paid tribute to Phil Hartman by using the name Bill McNeil as the president of Earth. <laughs> I didn't know that. Bill McNeil was the president of Earth immediately prior to Richard Nixon. When the Omicron, uh, Omicronians invaded in 3000, he was ready to surrender to the invaders without a fight until they said they wanted McNeil. Of course... <clears throat> the Omicronians were actually referring to Jenny McNeil from the 20th century television show Single Female Lawyer. <laughs> so President McNeil ordered uh, Zap Brannigan to lead a defense of the planet. Brannigan conscripted every available ship on Earth to fight back, and though they succeeded in destroying the Hubble Space Telescope, <laughs> they are unable to stop the Omicronians' mother ship. And when he announced his plans to sacrifice the entire uh, Earth mankind to save himself, Zap grabs McNeil and gives him up to the Omicronians, who vaporizes him with a laser gun. I honestly believe that if Phil Hartman had actually been alive, he was going to do the voice of Zap Brand again. Absolutely. You can tell. Yeah. Yeah. He, he would have been. Yeah. It was just... I'm sure I'm a clue. Yeah. The, uh, the episode was called When Aliens Attack. Uh, it was in the first season of Futurama. And, and it, it, it introduced Lur, a reoccurring character who is an alien ruler of Omicron Percy, Percy I-8. I-8. Omicron Percy I-8. Omicron Percy I-8. Man, Bill McNeil. Bill McNeil, president of Earth and... There's so anchor. many. One of my favorite... It's, uh, it comes up as a Facebook memory for me every now and again. Just did like two weeks ago when they're at the Halloween party. And he's dressed as a, like a colonial pirate or whatever. And Maestro, Rump Shaker are some reasonable facsimile. Yes. <laughs> and then bust out of the Cabbage Patch. That's the best. That's a great pick. So, I don't, how did I even, I didn't even get to. Wow. We'll be a part two. We'll definitely come back to uh, favorite TV characters. Not until I give you my number one, which is Al Calavici from Quantum Leap. Al. You talked about Al last time or most recently. Yeah. <laughs> 
with very realistic iPhone, because who hasn't punched the fuck out of an iPhone? <laughs> uh, Al uh, He wears his his defense mechanism is pretending not to care. Yes. Uh, he cares about Sam, and you can tell he cares about Sam, but he's a very sensitive character, actually. That's why he puts on the gruff outward bravado. He's so sensitive, he's been married five times yeah. or whatever. Because, well, his, <laughs> his first wife remarried when he was a POW. Oh, okay. In Vietnam, which they that address. That makes sense. They address in like why? the last episode, I think. So yeah, he's just been trying to fill the hole for her. Not you know, don't don't be that way. Um, I love that he always has like these super flashy future clothes, right? When he comes, <laughs> so outrageously eighties, yeah, 80s, yeah. Um, uh, futuristic shit, yeah, yeah. And he's just so funny, and he he's got the gruffness. He's always smoking that fucking cigar. He is always smoking that cigar, isn't he? Yeah, which I think is ultimately what what got to uh, what got Dean Stockwell. Mm. He's kind of a good character foil for Sam because Sam is so like, oh golly gee, and wholesome. He is, yeah. It's like, and Al is not. Al is definitely not. But I love how he's always like fighting with Gushy or yelling at the computer or punching his phone. But he's he's you know he's Sam's. I mean, and they're never—they're not even in the same room. They are, you know. But, they but he's a hologram, just like Tupac. And you never know when he's going to show up. Nope. And I always love that first fifteen minutes when you get Sam by himself. Sam by himself, and you're wondering when is—when are they going to figure out what timeline and where he's at? And, and it's usually and right you, after the first commercial break. Correct. And yep. then suddenly he's in another awkward spot, or he just clears and finishes whatever he's in, and then you see that pfft, the yep. door, the hologram door yep. open, and he walks in. Sometimes he would just pop in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you guys haven't watched Quantum Leap, A, uh, most episodes are probably on Peacock. I don't know. Maybe. Um, sure. And then probably you know, on Amazon. You know, they're rebooting it. I know. I was about to talk about that. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about it either. Because I feel like that's a show that could be rebooted. Well, and sure. Done Christ, dude, it's well. been off for 30 fucking years. It went off yeah. in 92. I mean, a lot of shit's happened. And I feel like there's a, there's a good amount of creative resources to pull yeah for somebody else but they i mean they tackled a lot of stuff yeah even oh even yeah. back then like when sam was a woman and he was a woman several times um but then when he was pregnant and in a mental institute in a mental institution yeah. and he was the guy with down syndrome a couple right. of times like they tackled some shit that he you was, could all <laughs> was he um he was, huh. a, was a black guy a time or two right um wasn't he um this show was ahead assassinated, of assassinated uh, Kennedy. Um. Which Kennedy? <laughs> uh, yeah, Jesus Christ, Harvey Lee Harvey Booth. Oswald. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald. <coughs> that they, was a big kind they, of May sweeps kind of like three parters, and they sometimes would uh, that one they overstretched a little bit. Yeah, because they they were like, we can't make him kill. We can't make Sam the guy that kills Kennedy. We can't make him kill Kennedy. And it was a thing. He kept leaping in and out, remember? Yeah, he leapt like to like two different timelines of Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. yeah. It was not a good episode. I don't remember. I just remember it being a February or May sweeps type of two parter or three part event. I mean, it, the show had its formula, right? Yes. And they deviated from it. And I remember my mom watching it because it's fucking boomers. Y'all's thing is fucking Kennedy. And going back and 20, pining, to 30 lamenting years, over yeah. it. Yeah. It's. You know, ours, I guess, is nine eleven. Yeah. But sure. I remember it being a thing where, like, watching it 
And I remember going like, why is it, why is it not going like by the same? I didn't know it wasn't going by the same formula, but I was like, why is this different? Why the is formula this? was is he couldn't technic he wasn't supposed to be able to leap till he fixed what was I, well wrong. not that he wasn't he was only able to leap in time of the timeline that was his like until later and when he of the timeline that he existed correct that's correct. initially what it was correct and yeah. he couldn't obviously he couldn't go into the future yeah but uh he could only leap around in his timeline. Uh, until later, when he leapt back into like the civil like war, civil war, and he yeah. was a leapt back into the body of his grandfather or something, yeah, or the guy that would be his grandfather. So effectively, he oh. had to like hook up with his grandma. <laughs> Fry did that too. Remember? Yes. <laughs> that's why Fry. Go right back to Futurama. That's why Fry's stupid. <laughs> but more about Al. Yeah, and his five ex wives instead. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Al is great. Al Calavici. I don't know how they're going to handle that in the new one. No. Um. Be interesting to yeah, dogs, man. I don't know what's going on outside today, but it doesn't matter because that's our pick six TV characters. We'll definitely come back to this uh, at least a time or two. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, gang, do us a favor: go find us, like us, rate us, review us, say something kind. Check us out on socials. We haven't posted a lot recently. We've not done a lot recently, but we have a life. we're there. We're there. And uh, as we've said, we make this guarantee you. Make this guarantee to you right now: no paywall. <laughs> so even for the first six, episodes. even for the first six episodes, I have to pay you to listen to that. Yeah, we're gonna scoot, gang. Next time, we're gonna get back with a double feature. I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I want to say it's gonna hurt, but I don't want you to. I want you to come back. It's gonna be fun. We're gonna do two very different um, variations on the theme of Jaws. Not very different, but. <laughs> We're gonna very do, different yet very much the same. 1997's Deep Blue Sea. 99. Is it 99? Yeah. Was it really? Yeah. Fuck. I thought it was 97. Nope. Okay. 1999's Deep Blue Sea and, and 1990's Tremors. So bone up on those, gang, or sharpen your teeth, or dip your toe into the water. water. I don't know. Shark puns. Hold your breath. <laughs> don't go in the water. Don't go in the water. And uh, check those out if you want to follow along. And we will see you guys then. In the meantime, stay off the moors. Pick Six is the Clopec Media production. Like and follow them at Six Pack Double Feature Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or buy a t-shirt and sticker at sixpackdoublefeaturepodcast.com. And wherever you pick six, pick six responsibly. Nobody knocks off an old man in my neighborhood and gets away with it. 